God's word for our meditation this morning that's appointed for this, for this uh, fourth Sunday in Advent comes from Romans chapter 16. Paul writes through the inspiration of the Spirit, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever. Through Jesus Christ, amen. This is the word of our God. Many of us like a good mystery, don't we? Novel, a movie, a TV series, right? those, those mysteries, those thrillers that keep you in suspense, that give you little clues here and there throughout the story until it's all revealed at the end and it all neatly comes together. Sometimes, right? Sometimes some of those questions go unanswered and you're not quite sure, well, what happened about this? But that mystery, that thriller, where things are hidden to us and then revealed to us and they kind of are put together like a pieces of a puzzle. And then you get to see at the end the whole picture. Many of us like a good mystery. But not when it comes to life, right? We don't really want our life to be a mystery, do we? We'd like to know, what is going on? Why is this happening? What does my future hold? What's going on with this situation in my life? What's going to happen with my health? There's things in our life that we don't want to be of mystery. We want them revealed to us. We don't want them hidden from us. So when it comes to life, it's not like a novel or a movie or a TV series, is it? We want to know the answers and we want them now and see how it all fits together. The word mystery is from Greek that the New Testament was written in. The Greek word is mysterion. And that word mystery or mysterion in Greek means something that's hidden, something that is secret, something that you don't know. And Paul writes here about a mystery, but something that's no longer a mystery. Because there are things in life that, that people don't know. And more than just about your health or about what's going to happen in the future. But even much bigger, more important questions like, does God love me? Is God angry at me? Is God looking to punish me? What happens when I die? What's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go? Does God keep his promises? Is he faithful? Right, these big questions that, that to many, and maybe, maybe sometimes to you, seem like a mystery. They're hidden from you. They seem secret. Like You, you don't know the answers to them. But that's what this section here assures us of this morning. The answers to those questions are not a mystery. 
those big questions that we want the answers to, that we want desire to have peace in and comfort from, God reveals those answers to us. They're not hidden. They're not secret. Here, we're in the last three verses of the book of Romans. And this book of Romans is, is a, just a beautiful, beautiful letter to these Christians. Paul lays out for them God's plan of salvation, how God has saved sinners. And, and there are so many verses throughout the book of Romans that you know, that you've heard, that you probably even have memorized. Right? How we are, we are doomed because of our sin, but yet God in his mercy provides for us a savior. And then he goes in, in the later chapters about what difference that makes for our eternity, what difference that makes for our life, that there's nothing for us to fear. Who can be against us? God is with us. He, he just goes through and what this looks like then in our life as we live our lives as living sacrifices all throughout this book, he just so clearly, Jesus is at the center. That plan of salvation and what that means for us right now and for eternity. And here are the last three verses of this wonderful book. And it's, it's a doxology, these last three verses. A doxology comes from Greek too. It means word of praise. It's a word of praise to God. That's why it ends with an amen. It's a word of praise to God the Father for what he has done, who he is, what he has accomplished, what he promises, and what he has revealed to us. He says that in the past things were hidden. He says that there's this mystery hidden for long ages past. These things that God's people didn't know. These things that they got little glimpses, little pictures, shadows, but they didn't get to see it all. They didn't get to see the whole picture. Little puzzle pieces here and there, but not the fulfillment. It was hidden. It was secret. He gave these picture, pictures through prophecies, he says. These prophetic writings. And all throughout the Old Testament, there are hundreds, hundreds of prophecies, pictures, glimpses, puzzle pieces of what God was doing. I'm just going to share a few of those with you just to remind you. I'm not going to go through all, how many, several hundred of them this morning, if that's okay with you. But just some of the more noteworthy ones and ones that maybe you are familiar with. Way back in the Garden of Eden, as soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, as soon as they disobeyed God, what did God come and do? He promises a savior. He says to Satan himself, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, this Savior is going to come. A champion is going to come and crush your head. He's going to come and do away with your evil work. Right standing in the Garden of Eden, maybe just minutes after that first fall into sin, God promises someone who's going to come to do away with the evil work of the devil. Fast forward just a little bit to the time of Abraham. God chooses a man from which he's going to send this Savior through his line. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And he tells him in this package of promises at the end, he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
through you I will send the one that I promised back in the Garden of Eden. Fast forward a little bit more to Genesis 49. We have the promise of, and the picture of where, which line out of Abraham this Messiah will come. From the house of Judah. That the scepter will never depart from Judah. The ruler's staff between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. See how it starts to focus in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then you get to even where the place where he'll be born. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Tonight, as we gather back here, we'll be in Bethlehem to see the birth of that one. 500 years before he was born, the place he would be born was prophesied. Isaiah tells us about what this one would come to do. We get these pictures of what he would have to endure. He took up our pain. He bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken, smitten, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see how things get a little bit clearer. As we get to see what he would come to do, to not just be an example for us, to not just show us how to live a good life, to not just be a, a, a wise moral teacher or a miracle worker, but to suffer, to die for us. Psalm 16 tells us that he would not be abandoned to the grave. God would not let his holy one, his faithful one, see decay, but he would be raised from the dead. Another picture of what this one coming would do. A promise fulfilled. Because as we see him dying on Good Friday, yes, we see him rising from the dead on Easter Sunday. That faithful one. Faithful in life, faithful in death. Faithful to the work that his father called him to. To save us from our sins. And this one that we just heard in our first lesson. That God promised to David that he would seat on his throne, not a physical throne, not an earthly throne, but a heavenly one. In a spiritual kingdom, a throne that would never end. And then, in Isaiah 7, we're told that this one would be born of a virgin. And he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what do we hear in our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 1 this morning? These very prophecies fulfilled. The one who would come from the line of David, whose kingdom would never end, a virgin, who would give birth to a son, who would be the son of God himself. Dear friends, just, just a few of the puzzle pieces that we get to see now fulfilled. Now put together. Paul writes, These, This was a mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known to you 
through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. I mean, are we so blessed as, as New Testament Christians to have both the Old Testament and the New Testament to see how this all fits together? To see how God does fulfill every single promise? That not one of those hundreds of prophecies of that coming Messiah was, went unfulfilled? Every one of them. It's no mystery. It's no mystery. God loves you. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is your home. Your life has purpose. God is faithful to his promises. Those things are not a mystery. Now, there are some things that are still hidden from you, right? Maybe that health diagnosis you're waiting on. The future is unknown. Hey, there's things in your life that are up in the air that you just wish you had the answers to, you wish weren't hidden from you. But God has his reasons why. He's not giving you answers right now. And when you couch those into these bigger promises, into these comforting truths, into these facts that you are loved and you are forgiven and heaven is your home and your life has a purpose and God is faithful, then all of those other things, God's going to take care of those too. As Paul wrote earlier in Romans, if God has given us his son, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us everything else that we need? That's a promise. That's not a mystery. We are closing out the season of Advent this morning. We'll get to say Merry Christmas after the service because then it's Christmas time finally. And in this season of Advent, we've been focusing on that, preparing ourselves for tonight and tomorrow for worship at Christmas. To peer down into that manger once again and to see every one of God's promises fulfilled. And dear Christian, let that fill your mind with peace. Let it fill your hearts with joy and, and your lips with praise. For the Lord has come to save his people. The Lord has come to fulfill every single one of his promises. The message that the Bible proclaims, as Paul says here, is all about Jesus Christ. The whole Bible and everything that God proclaims to us is about Jesus Christ. Every promise, every prophecy, every sacrifice, every image in the Old Testament fulfilled in this one who comes to us at Christmas. God himself in flesh. To fulfill our salvation. To fill our minds with peace. To give us hope and a future. To give us joy in our everyday life. It's no mystery. You are loved. You are forgiven. Heaven is your home. Your life has purpose. God is faithful. Amen.